Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. I have someone on who I have not seen in over a year, but is one of the few people in the Hashtag Call to Scene community who knew me pre-hashtag cause scene and he liked me so that says something <laughs> i want to welcome um an old friend troy connor hi Con- troy how are you real good how you doing i'm good introduce yourself to the audience my name is troy connor i'm a software engineer at cloud reach and i met kim at um a talk she did at node interactive and as soon as she got off stage i know she had to run but i ran to her and, and told her about her talk and we got connected and then Saw each other at All Things Open the following month, and it's been we've been friends ever since. So I always start the show with two questions. Why is it important to cause a scene, and how are you causing a scene? Oh, that's, a, um, that's interesting. I like that. Why is it important to cause a scene? Um, disruption causes a lot of awareness, in my opinion, because the status quo is the same if you don't ever challenge it. So disrupting a scene, causing a scene, excuse me, will allow people to find the problems within the status quo. Um, And how I'm causing a scene now, um, I'm in a group called 757 Color Coded in Hampton Hampton Roads, Virginia, where me and the people who we we organize meetups, we try to get underrepresented minorities in the community into coding. We're like trying to get them scholarship opportunities for conferences and stuff like that. And doing as all I can for representation within my company, within myself, within the community around here. All right. So, um, yeah, I want to talk a bit about, because I very seldom have people on here who knew me before, because you understand why I started this podcast, why I want to cause a scene, because you witnessed the apathy um, you know, people want to bring me in and talk about building better businesses. People want to bring me in to talk about mentoring. People want to bring me in to talk about um, the importance of documentation and the challenges I find in all of that. And I continue to find in all of that is that none of these initiatives that people are, are attempting to do, spending resources on, efforting, are going to be successful because we don't have the diversity, and then more importantly, the inclusion um, in those spaces. So it's like you you um, you want to talk about R and D. We keep creating products and services that are harming other people because we don't have representation of various perspectives uh, on these R and D teams. We don't have people say, um, you know what that based on my lived experience, that might cause some harm to some people, or that might not have the intended outcome that you expect. Um, 
And so that's why I get so frustrated when people say I'm an inclusion and diversity specialist. No, I build businesses, but we can't seem to get around this part. This is the part we can't seem to get past. So I want you to talk about, um, first of all, what about that Node.js, sorry, no interactive um, talk that led you to find me? and we, yeah, we met after um, the next month at um, All Things Open. And just talk about that because I want, I want people to really understand why I'm here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, so um, Northern Interactive was 2017 and it was in October in Vancouver and keynote edition. So I'm like, okay, I'm all in for this. Wow, black, powerful black women on, on stage. I'm already tuned in. So um not you don't see that in a lot of communities, especially within keynotes, right? So I paid attention, and this was during a time that Node Interact, Node, the Node.js community had some like strife going on. So um, you spoke to that, and you realized that you know it's a risk management issue because you don't have the diversity at the table to discuss these issues, like like human beings versus just people using their positions to to make decisions that aren't effectively better for the community. So when I when you got off stage. I was like, wow, that was um, that was amazing. I, a lot of people need to hear this. It's unfortunate that just this subset of community people can hear this. And then it's interesting because during that whole time, people were really, you can tell people were uncomfortable, but they weren't uncomfortable to the fact that they weren't receptive to the information because they knew that what you were saying was true. And I think that, that this speaks to a lot of what needs to happen. A lot of people will feel discouraged because they feel like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to opt into something where it's going to make me feel uncomfortable, but then you don't want change. So I think that's what's interesting about the whole perspective of what you did that day. And then even being at all things open. So when, even when we got to all things open and then we started talking about this, this is like way before the podcast was even coming to fruition. And I said, um, I said, this is something that a lot of businesses don't even understand that they need this value from you. And I said, I don't know how you can project this to the world, but this is something that's necessary. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, and a year later, um, and I haven't talked to you or seen you. Well, no, we've chatted, but I haven't seen you in a while. Um, and so this is where, and this was before I really started unpacking whiteness too. So this, when I was, um, when Troy and I met and talked, we were, I was still trying to figure out what was the linchpin? What is the, what is the one thing that's connecting so much of this? And it was privilege and whiteness. And I've only come into that because as a black woman, we've always um, examined blackness. Uh, we've always been aware of our blackness. We've always known that in certain spaces, we weren't safe. We've always known in certain spaces, we had to code switch. We've always had these um, lessons to learn, sessions, whatever you want to call them, black boot camp, particularly when you're talking about going in something professional. Um, but whiteness, we've never examined whiteness. And so as I started examining whiteness, I started realizing, wow, this is the thing. And, and this is why I try to, I can admit last year I was really pissed because I was really digging deep into like the like the historical perspective of whiteness and all these things that, and I was triggered so much because it's, it's hard to do this work as a person of color, as a black person doing this work because in, in the United States, because so much of what I'm learning is 
um, turning upside down the beliefs and the the things, and I'm going to put this in quotes, facts about how we should be operating in the world that they're just there. We, we, you know, we try, we try, we try. Oh, we have to do 110%. We have to do 110% because that's what the system is set up for us. I mean, when you actually think about it, you and I should still, if, if particularly with people talking about, you know, they want to go strictly by the constitution, you and I should still be slaves. So nothing about our experience was designed for us. Um, and seeing that it, it triggers so much because I'm trying to be empathetic um, and, 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 and be professional as I help build out products and services because that's what I'm finding. Besides the whiteness and privilege part, the, 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 the other big thing is most people don't have businesses. What they have is a product or service that they've been able to um, scale and make some money off of. And the reason I say, and, the, and I'm going to define that for you because most of these companies do not come out the gate and it's not even just companies because we just talked about J, um, no J, um, no project. Um, and I talked to um, Doll when we were in um, um, where were we? Um, um, JSConf EU. When you don't think about processes, procedures, policies, communities at the beginning, it you end up putting things out there. It scales. Then you have to go back and do these things, and it's much more challenging. Um, and so these are the things that I, the two things that I've are hugely a problem in tech and everywhere else, but tech, because we're so hyper, hyper, we move so quickly and we're so hyper intense. It's whiteness and privilege and business and, and these products and services not being businesses. So, um, last year I spent a lot of time just trying to process and, and, and manage my own triggering in learning these things. And so this year I'm really focused, focused on four themes, which are um, we have to prioritize the most vulnerable. And I really want to talk about your project. I think you, did you call it 757 Color Code? Color code? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Really want to talk about that. Um, that tech is not neutral. That's something I'm really focusing on now um, because we have, we continue to act like, the machines are perfect. The AI is perfect. We've we've um, we've ha- have a larger community of non-technical people. When I mean like the general public, they've bought our they've been we've been bows at them into believing that we know everything and and we you know um, that we can solve all their problems. Just hand over your data. Um, we can solve all your problems. <laughs> um, and lack of inclusion is a risk management issue. Is a huge one. And then. Um, Impact, I mean, sorry, intention without strategy is chaos. Those are the four things that I'm focusing on um, because I see it coming over and over and over again in these communities, at these events, in these organizations. So as a Black man, so you're the first Black man I've had on here who's in tech. And I really, and a professional Black man who's in (laughs) tech. And I mean that as um, saying not about profession as in the status quo, you have to dress a certain way, but you're doing your shit. You are, you know, you are working. You are a leader. You are leading, um, bringing other people into this community. So I want you to talk, spend some time to talk about as safe as you, because I like to create a safe space. And I know you mentioned earlier, you're a bit nervous. Um, But I want you to share your story because this is another thing that's missing. 
individuals of marginalized communities aren't given the safe spaces to share their stories. And so this leaves whiteness and privilege um, to, to continue to tell our stories incorrectly. And that gives them the, the false, um, I don't know what the word, but it's a false something. I'm going to figure out a word to put in there that says that they have the expertise to tell our stories and they know how we live. So I want you to talk about Troy's journey into tech and where Troy is and where Troy wants to go. Oh, absolutely. It, it wasn't easy. And um, I know there's a lot of feel-good stories out there, but this isn't really one of them. Um, so I was in the Navy. I did the Navy when I got out of straight out of high school and I did eight years there. And then I was going to get my associate's degree uh, while I was in the Navy because I was trying to use the benefits as much as I could. And when I, I was going to Actually, I wasn't even going to be like a software engineer. I was going to be like a network administrator. I was trying to be like a Cisco certified network administrator. Um, that didn't go too well. So I said, okay, let me use my GI Bill to try to go to school. Okay, I'm going to stop so, you because I want to know why didn't that go too well? We need, I want oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so, I got my, um, so I got my associate's degree and I was like, all right, I'm going to take the CCNA test. And when I took it, I failed it. And I failed it because the test... They, it was the test was in January, and of course, I, the last test that I studied for was in December. So when I took it in January, things on the test that I didn't study for, I didn't know was going to be on it, and that's all me, right? But that didn't discourage me from doing going to the next phases, which um, which I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. But um, yeah, it, w- it was more of a you know that was the entry part of because being from the Navy, you know, that kind of translates into like network administration because of how they have that stuff on the ship and like there's a career in the Navy for doing that. So that's kind of why I felt that was easy for me. There's no programming in the military. I mean, in the Navy at least. So I didn't think that was accessible. So when I failed that, it looked, it made me look around to say, all right, how do I get to the next level of work or how do I achieve what it is that's, that I want to ac- ac- accomplish? So I started going to school. I went to OD, um, Old Dominion University here in, in, in Norfolk, Virginia. And I was like, all right, I can go to school part-time because I can't go full-time because I still need to like work. And at the time I was, what, 27 years old. So I'm thinking like, all right, this is going to take me a while, a little longer than usual. And, you know, traditionally schools are not set up for like working people because they assume you're going to be 19 joining college. Right. So, of course, I was taking as many courses as I could. And then I finally graduated and I started working for the government because I was already working for the government when I was in school. And how that started trans, like how that took off, it wasn't as it wasn't the word I expected it to be. I was like, well, I just graduated, spent all this money on this degree, and I expect to come out, you know, making this. So I ended up being a computer scientist at the Naval Air Warfare Training Systems Division. And it was okay. It was like we did work on the E2C, E2C, so um, the aircraft, the simulator. So, um, but then I got an opportunity just within the community. Um, I, I got to go to JSConf last call, which was in December 2015. And um, went down there with a couple of friends from the community, and I got offered a job, and at um, what was now ETA, Emergency Technology Advisors, and that, so that in itself, that start was like, wow, that was so somebody noticing your potential, the commitment that you have, just being around the community in itself, offered me the the opportunity to be in that position to get the job to begin with. So I always am thankful for that because. If not, I'll probably still be working government or still be in a position where I don't feel like I can leave the government to do something that I, I, I truly wanted to do. Because um, there's a lot of stigma that comes with government jobs because, you know, it's safe. It's, um, you know, 
it's job security. I got furloughed when I was working for the government. So, so, so once I found that, I was like, okay, there's, there's no reason for me to like, not make, it's not make the best out of the opportunities that I have going with what I truly wanted to do. So my mom wasn't really a fan of me leaving the government to go, to go work as a software engineer. She didn't know the, you know, the uncertainty of it all just kind of scared her. Okay, so I want to talk to you about that because that is so in our community. Um, <clears throat> I don't know anything about your mom, but my aunt was heavily, she was a senior vice president of a bank. Um, and her, she comes from a, like, yeah, she's a baby boomer. So she comes from a, 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 um, a generation that's all about um, benefits and making sure you have that thing. That was her whole thing, like benefits. You have to make sure you have benefits. Um, is that what your mom was scared of um, and or just the unknown? Well, well that too, because I'm um, absolutely, she was like, you need the benefits and everything that comes with government job because I, my family, um, like my grandfather has his PhD from Columbia. So like they're like, I'm come from like a family of educators. So they, they honestly felt, and to a certain degree, I understand why, right? After reading a couple of books that, you know, like that, education is going to be what liberates us, right? And then I'm like, to a certain extent, you know, we can talk about uplift suasion later on in this podcast if you want. But um, it got to a point where it's like, I, I shouldn't have to convince people to, a, to yes. that I belong to this community yes. without, you know, so... Um, without going issue. into great debt. That's why I didn't finish my, my doctoral program. I was like, you know what? I finished the coursework. I'm already working on this paper. By the time this paper comes out, it'll be two years. I'm not going to wait on that. And I'm sick of having to prove myself when I still won't make a bit of difference. Right. So there, there's a lot of discussion now in the community, like in tech communities where like, you don't need to go to school to get, um, you don't need to go to school to like attain, like um, to like have a position in the software. Um, and I don't disagree with that per se. But I know like when people ask me, they say, why did you go to school? Because that was the only way that I was going to be able to show people that I had the knowledge and skill to get to be where I'm at. Because if I didn't go to school, I'd be this kid that just got out of the Navy trying to figure out his way into the tech industry. And I'm not saying that it would have never happened, but it would have never happened with the. So like when I apply for a job and they say, "Okay, does he have a bachelor's of science in computer science? Yes, he does. Okay, cool. That gets me that gets my application on the table instead of like pushed to the side, like next to the trash can. And, and and that's so that's so sad because we know that the majority of jobs in tech do not require that. Um, right. And yet we're still using those antiquated um, benchmarks um, where we know that many privileged and white people don't even have college degrees um, coming in the door. Um, and so it and it, and I'm bringing this up. Um, specifically because I wanted to, again, I have a black man on here. Um, our communities, I just read something about, somebody was saying something about political and it was a black mother who says, my parenting is political um, because of the, the, of the climate we've always lived in. And so I wanted just to bring that, bring that out because what I'm recognizing when I'm talking to white uh, my white peers, when I bring up something, they're like, oh, my God, I didn't even know that. So that's why I'm bringing these things up, not to shame the audience, but so that you, again, I'm letting you know that we've had a very different experience. We're not having this. There's an assumption that everybody has been had the same experience and there's been an even plat field, uh, plat, um, platform. We've not had the same experience. Our parents know that. Um, that um, education is going to put us in debt. They know that, but they under also understand that's the only thing that that's 
the only thing that even gave us, uh, like you said, put our applications, resumes, CVs on the table. Yeah, and it's and to keep going with that, even when I decided to do this, and you know, my mom was saying like, um, "Do you feel like this is something that you're gonna do well in?" Not to say that she didn't, she didn't, she didn't doubt my ability. I think she doubted the the fact that she couldn't see that without a structured system of like something like working for the government where you're getting a cost of living increase, where you're, you're always have, always have work available where she think, where she would think that I would maybe not succeed there in that instance. And I don't think it's because she didn't believe in me. I just felt that she believed that how can something so unstructured be something that you can flourish in exactly what you have to deal with. Yeah. Especially when you're, when our parents, parenting has been political it's been it's been about okay not as you said not a lack of believing in us but how can we make our child's life less painful <laughs> and, Absolutely. Set, and set them up for success and that's every parent but put, tap on put on that um you know being black in the u.s and always having to try and um having this thought that they have to protect us i totally get it yeah Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, you know, like, even in, in this community here, like, in Hampton Roads, it's huge military. It's, like, half the Navy's here. You know, there's NASA's here. Um, the Air Force, there's an Air Force base here. So the, the industry here isn't really tech. So this isn't Silicon Valley. This yeah. isn't, like, New York or anything like that. So because it's not as prevalent as it is everywhere else, the fact that I'm doing something is, like, this can go away any minute now. And that, and that, and that may be true, but at the expense, not at the expense of what I have to offer for the tech community. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to tease that out. So go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But no, so yeah. So even after, um, so even after I joined um, Emerging Technology Advisors, um, we ended up getting acquired in 2017. So shortly right before I went to Node Interactive to meet you, we had got acquired by this company that I work for now called CloudReach. And, you know, that was a decision like um, that we were presented for the co-founders and said, hey, do you want to continue doing this? And I was like, yeah, I feel like we can provide enough influence. And um, we already have a diverse team. Like one of our one of our lead people in our company was a um, was a woman. You know, then we had um, it was we only it was like 10 people in our company. So it wasn't like we had a huge um, array of like of different technical abilities. We, we, we did. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like um, what, what we were designed to do was provide people influence with how diversity should be shaped because one of the things that um, they decided to do when they acquired us was come to this conference that's actually happening in, um, again in June. It's called Revolution Conf um, here in Norfolk, Virginia. And they came to the conference. It was like, wow, you're really like in the community. They're like, yeah, we like, you know, people from all these different companies. We, we've been to a lot of these conferences. We speak at conferences where we're like tapped in, like we know how this works. And don't get me wrong, it, we don't have, no one, I, I don't want to say no one has it figured out yet, but we understand that the, the, the value of what diversity can bring, right? So we, we not only try to use that as a mechanism to help others but, and give people an opportunity, but we also know the value it, does, it brings for a business, it, how it can shape your business, how it can um, give you ideas that you never thought of because you're like not just targeting one demographic. All right, so when they when they saw that and they were like, wow, they're they're um they're interested in acquiring us, and they, and when they did, you know, we we immediately try to like influence the culture of the company because they 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 even admitted to themselves that that we don't really know what we're doing. 
like where this company's from Europe. So of course it's going to be a whole bunch of white men and women there. So they're like, let's try to change the scope of that and like change the direction of what we're doing so we can not only build a better business, but, um, you know, get to the community that knows and respects us. So I, th I think, I think in all in all, it's, it's been interesting because, um, watching the change over time is, um, Scott and, and learning things throughout that has helped me understand where my place is here and how far I can go and the limitations that I thought I once had now that I don't. So there are two things I want to talk about, um, that I'm happy you brought up and it's how you said it in the fact that you, how you got your job was at, um, attending, I want to tie it between community plus events are important. Um, and that you felt that without that community and those events that you wouldn't have, um, had been, had been in the room to be, um, to even be offered a job or even be seen as a potential, um, um, employee of the company. I want to talk about that because that is so important, important and why, um, and one of the things that's that's a barrier for marginalized people in tech, it's the it's being a part of the community. And 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 I say that, and I want to tie that into something you just said about your organization recognizing. And I love that they were honest and saying, you know what, we don't know what we're doing here. One of my clients currently, the reason I'm working with them because they're like, we don't know what we're doing here, and they're from Europe as well. Um, and the, the the thing I keep talking about is. When you say we, we came in and, and, and affected the culture, accommodation versus assimilation. We're no longer, you can no longer be a, um, a successful company if you're expecting people to come in and, and um, you can no longer expect, you can, well, you can't even have the idea that there's going to be any sort of um, inclusion, which just means people having an experience where they feel safe and they, they're able to participate. If all you want them to do is assimilate to what's already there, it has to be about accommodation, which means every time someone comes into that organization, into that community, into that, those events, your organization, those around you, it should, it's, you should be expected to, for there to be a change. And that change may have what people, um, shy away from is that change creates friction, but that friction, if handled well, creates creativity and, and, and enables um, innovation. So I want to talk to you because you talked about 757 color coded. Is that like your answer to the opportunities that you had? Because you recognize when you went to events that you were, I mean, you're literally around the decision makers most times. Um, and then the um, how has, and this is kind of a blanket question, that assimilation versus accommodation you've seen and it, within your own organization and some of the challenges that you see with um, the, the brown and black people, the people LGBT, LGBTQ community in assimilating um, in these, in, in, yeah, and being welcome and not being, and not, no, no, it is being, most people still expect people to assimilate and not be, and not their, their um, communities to change. Okay, guys, I'm all over the place because I'm thinking about this because again, I'm having, I'm have this perspective from this person. I have the, the vantage point, the, uh, the 
the um, the privilege of having a black man in tech on here. And so uh, I apologize to him. I'm trying to get all of it in. <laughs> but I really you've really spoken so well to these two topics, the the value of community and events and then the assimilation versus accommodation. Yeah. OK, so um, seven, five, seven color coded. That was actually started by um one of my, and I call him a mentor because he was actually the first person I attended a meetup group with. Um, he started, his name is Guillermo Fisher, and he works with me at, at CloudReach as well. And um, he started a community called PHP, Seven, Hampton Roads PHP, the group. Um, and that was like 2013. So after that kind of like fizzled out, he wanted to do this and he, he understood the importance of that. And I was like, I'm on board if you're, if you're on board. And, and what the mission statement was supposed to be is like, you know, we're, we're here to try to like, help people get in tech. And, and the reason why I know it's important because like I, I just saw what it did for my career and I don't want to discount the fact that the community around me or even out there is, is what helps people get jobs, right? So there's you, and it, cause it actually goes into the next um, question that you asked, right? For assimilation and accommodation. Um, there's a word that everyone uses like culture fit, right? And you have to be a good culture fit to work here. And I've always tried to explore that from a perception from a perspective of like what that means to me of course me and you don't have the not me and you personally but like me and the applicant or me and the job we're not going to have the same culture but we, we do have the same values right so like if this means that we're going to make a safe space for everybody I'm with that it's not going to be where you feel like you're going to do anything to say that I'm not a, a human person I'm not going to work there so culturally when I say that it doesn't I don't want it to sound like it's a discriminatory practice but it's more of a of a let's let's get a set of values that we all believe in and we can go from there because if we can't if we can't make people feel safe i don't want to start bringing in people who we believe are are quote-unquote culture fits and expect them to change into how we see that how we feel they should behave everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles one Tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag cause The reason why we're trying to be diverse in the first place is to get the variety of ideas amongst a group of people. So why are we trying to limit the, the fact that they have to assimilate to this these set of practices or rules or something that you feel is necessary for them to behave at, at one point? So for instance, if um if we're trying to say, all right, instead of having accommodating their differences and then changing our changing our 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 lens that we look through to um, because we never dealt with that before and, and use it as a learning period. We should be we should be doing that versus trying to say, all right, you need to be this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. And I've seen that at a lot of organizations because they feel they don't they don't understand. And they're not it's not because they're not willing to is that they, they haven't faced that that barrier of of perception yet. Or if they faced it, they shut it down. They should they shut it down. Let's be, let's be yeah, I, 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 I was trying to be as PC as possible. No, but no, you're baby, right. This is that, not that. a PC show. <laughs> we are because when, peace being PC has caused harm. We need to just put it out there. Say exactly what you mean so that people, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, the one reason I can say people respect me um, and they listen to me 
um, even though I talk about whiteness and privilege and all these things, is because I provide I provide clear communication, clear understanding from my perspective, and clear strategies for moving forward, which many people don't do. So no, put it out there because you're absolutely right. Um, and that's what I, I'm glad you brought, you keep bringing up things. And this is a, going back to when I say the other issue with products and services, they're really not businesses. And you hit the nail on the head about core values. Many people have not even thought about their core values. They decide on the product, they build the product or service, and then they put it out in the world and just, and that thing is, okay, let's cross our fingers and see what happens. And then when something happens, they're like, oh, let's move forward. But without those core values guiding decisions, you're all over the place. There is no, it goes to the, the, the one of the themes, um, intention without strategy is chaos. Um, and so when you say, I liked how you used your, your, how, how you've defined core, um, sorry, culture fit, because it, that's the sense it makes. It's not about culture fit. We all have to look alike. We all have to behave alike. We all, we're a monolith. It is about based on your, can you communicate to me what your organization's core values are? Huh? Now I can make a decision. Do those align with my personal and professional core values? And then once I get in, now I can ha- I can assess. Once I get in, are you living the core values that you communicated with me, so that I can be thrive and be safe? And and then that's that's a definitive, measurable metric that I can use to decide: Am I staying here or am I getting the hell out? Yeah, because some and I think a lot of people don't understand. Um, because what tech offers as far as like what it does for families and what, and how it's taking people out of poverty in certain situations that if you get to a place where then you find out you're not safe, you might not be able to just leave. I see a lot of things going on on Twitter now where people have all this FU money where they could just like leave their job and sit on it and sit on savings for like eight months. That's not a lot of people's, um, a lot of people don't have that opportunity to do that. So if they find themselves in a situation where they find that I'm not safe, I, they literally have to stay there until they find another place to go. And that might be difficult because of how they got there. So I, I think a lot of community has a lot of to do with how you can move places and, and what you're not willing to accept and say, you know what, I hear your core values. I'm not really into that because like, um, you don't even sound like you're going to protect me. I'm an underrepresented minority. We're more than we're marginalized. So like, I know what, I don't know if you know what that means and feels like, but it doesn't. <laughs> so, but, be, but because I have to explain this to you, this, this may not go well for me in my career here. And if you're willing to adopt the, uh, some, um, if you're willing to adopt some values that is going to help me and protect people like me and who look like me and who look like people coming around uh, after me, then by all means, yeah, I'll even help you develop something to, to where we, we won't accept any of this stuff. Because there's even with um, over the last couple of years since we've met and um, things have gone on in communities at certain certain organizations, you know, a lot of that stuff should have never happened. Exactly. Exactly. And you I know, keep the, bringing up girl develop it. Yes, exactly. It shouldn't have happened. So it shouldn't have happened. And it's, 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 it's so sad because it's like, you know, here we are. And like um, just using like that as an example, it's like this is supposed to be the group that's supposed to be, you know, championing and fighting for the fact that we're supposed to be protecting these people. And yes, we're not specifically women, specifically <laughs> right. women. And you have a you first of all have to you you cobble together a mission statement that throws on non-binary, um, and then you're actively. That's another organization that did not have the structures in place, um, so people haven't been paid, um, people all kinds of things, and then you're actively 
um, discriminating and harming Black women who have to, or yeah, this specifically were Black women, but other women of color um, who have actively had to stay in their position while looking for other jobs on the down low so that they can get the hell out of there. And that is a problem because you essentially, when you're talking about, and that's why I have a problem with the pipeline. It's not the pipeline. It's all the barriers to get to point from point A to point B. Girl development was supposed to, is, was designed to be that bridge from entering the tech space to getting a job. Well, you put so many barriers in the way that now people who, and I want to speak to, um, uh, yeah, people who've already been marginalized aren't going to stay around. Because why, why put up with this shit? I deal with this every day. Why do this to get into a new community? And that's what I like about what you just said about um, people staying because that what that or people sitting on money that again goes back to you you're, you're proving my points going back to whiteness and privilege because that's a privilege to be able to say you know what I don't like this I'm gonna leave because I have money to sit on it's the same thing with people like oh Twitter is a shit show everybody should leave Twitter or everybody should leave Facebook yeah you know what you're absolutely right there are there are huge challenges there but you know your average Twitter user well, I'm going to speak to Twitter specifically and then another thing about Facebook. I have created a community on Twitter that I don't have anywhere else. I'm not going anywhere else. Where would I find not only um, privileged individuals who believe in this message and understand that they um, that situations need to change and that they need to learn, but the Black women activists I've connected with? Where would I have ever met them if it weren't on Twitter? I can connect with these women every single day. When I'm having a shitty day, this is where I go to. So I found, um, because again, Black people are resilient, I found a way to stay <laughs> safe to, to stay, to stay safe on Twitter. Um, the only time that I really got trolled was when I put out that Katy Perry, um, when she had the shoes that looked like blackface, and two... Um, news agencies, Yahoo News and USA Today News, used my tweet on their newspaper and didn't tell me. And I was wondering why the hell I was getting all these racist ass um, um, comments. And then someone was like, Kim, did you not see this? I'm like, nope, but this explains everything. So it wasn't even something I did. Um, it, was, it was these news agencies not even considering that they could be putting people in harm's way. And then on the Facebook side, you can't, yes, Facebook is a straight shit show, but you cannot tell people who, who's, that's how I connect with my family. That's how grandparents get to see um, pictures and live the, uh, experience their grandkids. That's, you can't say that. You can't, that's your privilege to say, oh, I can, I can come off this thing. And it's also not about money. It's about, I find, I recognize a lot of people who say this can actually have the, have, actually have the skills to go build their own shit. Right, right. <laughs> but but usually the people who are who are eligible enough to say or who are privileged enough to say the same things that you were mentioned are also the same people who don't have to deal with the um, yes the anger, problems. Right? So yeah, right, so like you know like like oh I don't, I'm tired of dealing with this, so I don't have to deal with this today, yes. and I'm it's, I'm sorry yes. like. <laughs> and that's the privilege like, because you also right. get to walk away. You have a choice to walk. You have a choice of if you're going to engage with 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 what's happening or not. We don't get a choice. I put a tweet, two newspapers um, decided to include it, did not, could have easily sent me a DM, hey, we're gonna use your dog on tweets, and I get attacked. 
And so that's the thing um, we need to, you, and you, you just spoke to that. It's, 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 it's easy to say, I'm going to walk away from this. Oh, let me, let's, and also, we're not talking about the fact that you caused the problem in the first place. Right. It's your lack of um, diversity in building these things and inclusion, because again, diversity is just about variety, but inclusion is about, ex- about experience. So it's not just enough to have diversity on a team. If people don't feel safe, they're not going to be, they're not going to participate. They're not going to, um, and that goes when we were talking about the culture fit thing, where you shut down any kind of constructive criticism, any any pushback, you just shut that down because now you're being disruptive. No, you brought me here to, to help you solve problems. And if I don't feel safe in solving, helping you solve problems, I'm going to keep that information t- to myself and I'm going to get out as soon as I can. And I'm going to take that to some way, that information I've gained to another company or I'm going to build my own. And I think I think it's, it's starting to um, be more, people are starting to see the value of that and they're, and they're losing good people, um, retention at certain companies. Isn't that great? Because people find out how bad it is and then they leave and then it, all it takes is somebody to write something about it. And then like they start, it starts to show itself. Right. And then um, they can't hide behind the cloak of like invisibility that they were that they once were when they how they treated people and how they didn't protect people. I don't think people understand how many whisper networks are out there as well. So let, let, let me be clear to you, um, privileged white people, um, wherever you want to fall into this space. There are many behind the scenes groups of marginalized communities where if as soon as there's an um, a job opportunity, we go to our whisper networks and ask, what have you heard about this? Has anybody worked there? And, and when you can't get these individuals, this is why your reputation is shot in our communities. Because um, whereas there are there will be oppor- there will be individuals who, like you said, who can't just leave a job. So they will take a job knowing that it's shitty because they need the money, but it's only going to be a temporary, in their head, this is a stop gap. So they're already planning their exit, but they need the money. There will be individuals, as you've already said, who come into a company who were told one way and realizes something else. And so now they're biding their time. They, there's, they can't just get up and leave. They have to make sure that they, they have another job or they have the money. So again, you've lost those individuals. And then there are there are individuals who will come in, see it, and this is going to be me, and I know I'm rare. I don't care if I don't have anything set up. I don't care if I don't have any money in the bank. I'm not staying here. And these three, these three things are happening because marginalized groups have been treated so poorly historically that safe spaces is a priority to us. And it showed up. And I'm, I'm happy, and I can say this about that Stack Overflow survey that just came out. The proof is right there. Marginalized groups, be they, be they by color, I mean by race, by ethnicity, by gender, um, by ageism, by disability, um, whatever group is marginalized has shown, will continue to communicate to you that Unless there's a dire, dire need in our family, money is not the, the, the thing for us. It is our safety. And if you can't provide a safe space for us, or uh, um, then we're gone. Absolutely. And I think that's another thing that people don't realize. That, again, it goes to what we were just talking about. Um, that Because they're not having the experience, they don't think they exist. 
they don't understand how how important, how imperative. It's not even important how imperative safety on the job is for us. Absolutely, and I, I think what why and what even speaking to that is um. I I don't and I'm trying to understand and maybe I don't understand because um I'm not in the position to to understand but why um why wouldn't it be the most important thing right from and I don't understand why people don't believe that it should be for them to well let me break it okay so I'm glad you asked that question because that gives us an opportunity to talk so again we've always examined our safety we've always you go out the house, you, you, you come across certain people, you re- our blackness or queerness or whatever is always something we have to consider for our own safety because of the world we live in. Unless a privileged white individual is, has an, intersection, uh, an intersectional experience with one of those things, whiteness has never had to be examined. So when they, and you see it all the time, they come into a space it is their space. They are welcome. They are the de facto good. I mean, I use this as an example. I haven't used this in a while. And I'm going to share this. And I'm going to ask this because I haven't even asked you, Troy. When you go to a restaurant, do you have kids? Yeah, but um, he lives with his mom. Okay, but that, that, okay, so you have a child. When you go to a restaurant, what are, what are black kids doing in a restaurant? Um... Usually sitting, trying to behave and being on their best behavior. And, and, and even if they're playing with a device, they're sitting down, waiting for their meal or whatever. They're sitting, right? Yeah. Let's be honest. What are white kids doing in a restaurant? <laughs> no, no, don't laugh. Let, no, <laughs> I'm trying to. Oh, no. Um, yeah, they're not, they're, 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 they're not. Um, Actually, no, because I'm, I'm thinking about we just went out to eat recently. So that's exactly, exactly. That's why I, I know that's why you laugh because you had recently had this experience. So tell what the white kids were doing at the restaurant. Oh, they were. I mean, they were acting up, and um, you know, they were just you know, they could just be kids. Could how, yeah, they just be kids. They could just yes. be kids, and um, and I understand like they're children, right? So it's not like I'm not going to get mad at kids, right? But but I can be like, but we do have to like watching young black kids have to like behave in a, and have a sense of decorum because it's going to be looked at differently. It's, 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 un, it's shameful in my opinion. Like, oh, we no, have to, it's like, very shameful. But what we normally see are white kids running around the restaurant, everybody making space for them, even though they're in the, they're in the way. Um, they're, they're, they're just being, um, just being, they're behaving. I'm going to put this in quotes as kids, but black kids are not allowed to be black kids. And I want to talk about that because I've shown you research time and time again that we adultify, which means we place adult-like re- responsibilities and expectations on black girls at age five and black boys at age 10. How many of the, how many, but the, the, the one, the young white guy who was on the, Capital steps or whatever the hell he was against the um the the native the indigenous man wherever I don't care what the situation was everybody could he kept being called a boy um we infantize whiteness and um we adultify blackness so um I had this experience I have a dear friend who lives in San Diego and she wanted me to come and she was just going to completely take uh, take care of me. Um, so, cause I was on vacation. She was like, whatever you want, what do you eat? Blah, blah, blah. We went to San Diego zoo and I 
was so triggered, I wanted to leave. So this was what triggered me because I'd had these other experiences at the zoo, just people in my way, because I'm really just noticing stuff now. But she has two daughters. One is five and one is eight. And they're the cutest little girls. But we were walking and there was a playground, eh, let's say uh, 50 yards ahead of us, right? And they know because they, they know where this playground is. She just allowed them to run off. Did not, could not, they weren't in her eye shot, but she knew that they would be safe. Would you allow your child to run off in front of you like that? No, it's, no. And why not? Talk about that. <laughs> um, and and that, I don't. That's not. That's not even just from upbringing because my mom would never even let us run off that way, but right? They, but, um, but there. But there's a reason though, and so that's what I want to talk about. Because yeah, the, our our safety isn't guaranteed. Thank at, you. At any any moment, <laughs> any moment. And, you know, and even not as a only our man. safety is not guaranteed, but if something, I need to have my my eyes on my niece, nephew, whatever, at all times in case someone says they've done something. Somebody tries to harm them, whatever. I can't, I, there is no, you just go out. Even in the playground, we always have our eyes on our kids. Yeah, yeah. And um, I grew up in I grew up in New York till I was like 14. So, um, and I was trying to like think because maybe maybe the conditions in New York were like a lot rougher than they are here in Virginia, right? But then, then I thought about it. I was like, no, the, the reason why my mom treated us that way is because she knew at any given moment that, this isn't how it's going to be. Like your safety isn't guaranteed. And she didn't have to explicitly explain that, but she did mention, she did show us and even had conversations around it. And, you know, like at seven years old, you have to understand like, why is my mom telling me this is why she feels this way about this? Or, Oh no, I play with him all the time and no, get home right after school. I don't care. Stay in the house till I get home type of thing. And, 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 and what I left out about this is when I saw that, I had a triggering effect and I had to sit down and I started crying and my friend was like, what is going on? And then when I explained that to her, I'm like, your kids get to be kids. Think about the trauma that leaves on children. You're saying your mom at seven was having this conversation about, you don't get to be a, society takes our childhood from us. And then when we come in, so we learn how to be protective of ourselves at such a young age. So this goes back to your question of why they don't understand our about our need for safety because they haven't been bred to think about safety the way we have. Man, our parents, that's, that's, isn't that some deep shit? Yeah, it's just it's like wow, it's, it, it makes you think. It does, and like um, even seeing it now, like it's just it's very. Oh my really god, you'll never know. You'll never unknow what I just told you. No, of course. <laughs> when you go out in the world now, you're going to be like, God damn. I'm, I'm telling somebody that today. Like, <laughs> Yes, and that's, the tr- and that's the truth. And that's the thing. And this is why I keep trying to say, it's not personal, white people. I don't, people think, oh, you just, no, I don't hate white people. But I do not trust you by default because that is how I've had to learn. And now that I understand how ignorant, which means not to know, how ignorant you are about my life because you've never had to examine it because it's always been about whiteness. You will do things to harm me and not even be fucking aware that you're doing it. You could be, you could consider me your best fucking friend. You can love me because this is where, this is, I'm going to challenge, this is the whole I have black friends shit. 
it does not matter because if you, particularly if you haven't had the hard conversations and your black friend, which they most, most often don't, trust me, I don't care how close you think you are to a black person. I don't care if you're married to a black person, very seldom have they told you the, 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 how the little things you do or the little things they see when they're with you and how you move in the world as differently and they become very obvious about how differently they move in the same. They could be walking side by side and we can have, we're going to have a totally different experiences. You do not understand this and you will do something. You will do something that harms us unintentionally or not, but it does not matter about intention. It's about impact. So when someone tells you that they've, you've done something, own it. You may not, you Nine times out of 10, you will not understand it because no one has ever challenged your perspective. But no one, very few, okay, because I don't use absolutes. Very few black people are going to say you've harmed them and you've not harmed them. Very few. That's true. That's Particularly very, that's true. if they care about you, if you have a relationship. Yeah, because like a lot of sometimes, like if it's, if it's meaningful, I'm going to express that because if it's not, then I, you know. We'll have our out. So much. There's also so much trauma in just getting the nerve to say that. And and if I'm your good friend and you reject that, oh my god. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because like if I'm if I'm coming if I'm coming to you to explain that to you, I really value this relationship. I really yes. do. Yes. I have to because um I I because <laughs> there's so many other ways I can deal with that. But I'm telling you not not only for my sake, but because you don't want to get into the you ever, you ever had to explain something to someone and say look. This wouldn't have happened if this wasn't me. Like if you said that to someone else, yes. this, would, <laughs> yes. this would be a whole totally different story. I've had those conversations and, and not because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like school into, but like to help them understand, like this is the experience that you I don't have. Just, and- I was just at Google um, Community Summit and I was, there was a, we just, kind of, we would just watched a panel on include, diversity and community. Um, in, in open source. And one of the panelists and I were sitting down talking and a white guy came over and he just interrupted and she was speaking. He interrupted her. Uh, and I had to say, excuse me, you just interrupted our damn conversation. It, and he was like, oh, it was like, did you, what? It's those little bitty things that if not checked, you don't recognize that you're doing something. And she wasn't going to say anything, but hell, people know me. I'm expect people expect me to come into a space and fuck it up. So, oh yeah, I'm going to say you just interrupted her. And, I, and it's, that's so unfortunate because it's. And I'm not. I don't want to speak for her, but it's like maybe she believed that behavior so so happens so many times that she's just not willing to express yeah, it or anything. No, no, you're not. That's exactly what happened. So when I inter- when I um, checked him on it, she smiled. She was just on the panel. Mm. So that takes a lot for us. As you said, I value the relationship. I feel fairly safe that me telling you this is, is not going to harm me. And when you reject it, when, when a person of color, black person, not a, a black person comes to you and says that, and you reject it offhand without thought, that just destroys a relationship. That is just gone. You've, you've now caused a wound a wound to them that the chances are of you healing that or repairing that there's no amount of apology that I will. I'm very, yeah. It's like, mm, you're going to have to prove again through consistent behavior that you've learned from that 
and that you 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 you've gone beyond that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's just huge. That's just huge. And that's so great. I'm glad I had you on. Um because I see what you're doing out there. And again, you and I are, are, are friends and you're, like I said, you're the first black man that I've had to come on here. And, I, and, and I'm always able to unpack a lot of this um, oppression and marginalization um, in ways that I can't when I have, you know, white people on here who, who are still learning. Cause they, I mean, and so I like to have these conversations. They're uncomfortable. They're going to be some people who already turned this off cause they didn't want to hear it. <laughs> but you know what? That tells me right that you've proven to yourself that you're not serious about doing this work and to keep me safe. So I, I am in every right to not trust you. Um, it's the ones who sit in their discomfort and I'm going to stop here and say that. It's the it's the white people in my community and beyond who sit with their discomfort, or I'm going to also add privilege, but particularly white people who sit with their discomfort and not lash out to harm, but start questioning their own perspectives and how they are complicit in harming people that they say they care about. Those are the ones I want to commend. Those are the ones that are going to change um, tech going to help us change tech and what's up and people are like, why are you so optimistic? Cause there's so many more of them than there are the others. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. And, um, I, uh, just to add on to that, and cause um, I don't want to just to add on to that. Um, I understand like, um, it's hard, right. For people to like be uncomfortable in that situation, but just think about, you only have to deal with that comfort for this amount of time. Right. Think about how that is for the person who has to deal with it and can't turn that off. Like they can't shut that off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I, th I think if you put it into perspective like that, you'd be will more people hopefully be willing to understand and say, you know what, like I get to go home and still be this person after I leave this conversation exactly. and don't have to worry and don't have to worry about my safety being jeopardized or anything with that. I can deal with this for, for, for this amount of time and, and understand. And also, and it's even further, it's even wider than that. I need you to think about if someone had that conversation with you, I need you to think about the emotional labor they that took for them to get the the words right, because we always have to get the words right, um, um, to 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 even feel safe enough to have the conversation. And once you walk away, trust me, we're unpacking what happened. We're trying to figure out. Okay, did I say that? Did I did I really get my message across? That I mean, we're it's not over for us. It's just a continual cycle of how to manage, maneuver, navigate a world of whiteness, a world of privilege, and while we're trying to be professional, while we're trying to be professional. Yeah, and, I, and what's so unfortunate is that I don't think people really understand that because it's like if I don't choose the right thing to say and say it the right way, now I'm this aggressive black man who yeah. has intimidated you, and and I'm gonna like have to hear it from so many other people, and then I have to I have to color what I say when I just genuinely want to express you because I mean you have to understand the frustration is there before you even get to the conversation, exactly. so I have to like I have to calm down <laughs> before I can even start the conversation, so like. And like you, like you said, you have to like get to a place where like now I'm, oh, let me let me woo yeah. so I can even explain this to you, <laughs> so you so you can so you can capture it in a better way versus me having the gall to say how I really want to say it. 
And that's the thing. We're always tiptoeing around whiteness. And this is why I'm having this conversation because whiteness doesn't understand the many ways that you are protected. We even protect you and try to protect us. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Because we know. We know, and particularly, and it goes back to that infantile stuff, particularly, let me be be a supervisor or even a peer of a white woman and, and we're having a conversation and something they, I'm, I'm their supervisor and I have to correct their behavior. The minute they start crying, nothing is about business anymore. It's now I am intimidating. I've done these things and everybody now comes to protect, to save the white person because, because it's been infantile. It's been, it's been, um, it's seen as something that needs protecting, but yet as a white black woman, I'm now the aggressor because I'm the adult in the relationship. We could be the same age, we could be anything, but now this person is a child and I'm the adult and I'm attacking this child. What once was the perpetrator is now the victim and it just yes. flips it on his head and like, yes. oh my, like. like and and then the business problem is now, it's still not solved. Right. But I'm not right. gonna say anything else. So now I'm like, fuck it, I don't give a damn. Let us let her blow this shit up, I don't care. Because I had a conversation recently with someone, a woman, um, who who I had to, uh, I addressed on Twitter, and I, we met in person, and she brought it up, and she was she was she said I was intimidated by you, and I was um, like, be careful of that word. She was like, no, literally, you. Um, we had an exchange on Twitter, and I was afraid that you, I was like, baby, I don't even remember that because that stuff's not even personal to me. Um, and I said, but had you brought out the white women's tears, it would have been worse. And I had to explain that to her. I said, we were, we were sitting across in a, um, from a table. I said, if you started crying right now, these people around us will come and find out, want to find out what I've done to you. If I started crying right now, no one would give a damn. And that was the only way she could say, damn, you are absolutely right. Mm. I know there's a lot of work to be done, but um, um, I'm happy you're leading the charge with, with not only the work you're doing with this podcast, but the work that you're doing out there. Cause um it's like I told you when when we met two years ago, it's it's definitely a pleasure and it's I definitely appreciate what you're doing. Well, are there so, any final words that you would like to leave us with? Troy? Yeah. Um if you're in the 757 community, if you're a person of color, you should um check out 757 color coded. Um I do want to give a shout out to the people on the leadership team. That's Guillermo Fisher, Omar Jackman, Tanya Sinoff, Lisa Fisher, and Hazona Baum. So we're we meet once a month, first Monday of the week, first Monday of the month, and um, we try to get people in the tech and trying to do the good work out there, helping marginalized people know that they have potential to not just do this but succeed in this. And, and um, I do. Oh, that's a point. I want to stop you because that's the point. It's not just getting us in there. If you, we need to thrive. It's not. It's not enough to just get us in the door. We need to be thriving. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I do want to thank you for um, allowing me to be on your, on your show and um, hope we can talk again soon and um, appreciate all the good work you're doing out there again. You too. I'm happy that we got to connect again because we use when well, you know, we met on the, the talk and speaking circuit and I haven't seen you for a while. So that's been great. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get back out there. Um, hopefully see you again at another conference. So like, um, hopefully I can figure out how the stars align. We get link up again or something. <laughs> Exactly. Thank you so much, Troy, for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Causing Podcast. 
And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the hashtag Call the Scene Movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the hashtag Call the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtag Call the to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.